Welcome to the Gotta Pop Podcast. My name is Buddy Gott, and in each episode of Gotta Pop, I'll be talking about pop culture, both new and classic. I'll be talking about music, movies, television, and books. In some episodes, I'll be by myself, and in some episodes, I will have guests. So I thank you for joining us here today, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the premiere episode of Gotta Pop. And today, I'm very happy about a couple things. First of all, I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite bands ever, and that is Steely Dan. I have loved them since I was a kid, and that has not eased up in, well, let's just say several decades. And another thing I'm very happy about here is that my first guest on the show is a good friend of mine, a very talented writer and a guy who loves music probably even more than I do. And that is Chris Zappa. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I thank you for being here. And I uh, just want to let our listeners know a little bit about you. Chris is, as I said, he is a music lover and he's a writer. He puts out this great newsletter every week called the Zappagram. You want to tell their listeners a little bit about that, Chris? Sure. Yeah. Um, I started Zappagram uh, exactly a year ago. Last uh, This past week was my one year anniversary. Um, I wanted to, I, I was in for uh, newsletters that would sort of feed me all of this music information all in, in one package and I that and I thought well why not make my own and uh, so that's what I did so um, every week I put out the newsletter and um, try to include a lot of different things in there I do like a, a, a quote from a famous artist um, I usually do a reader poll and ask some music related question and uh, then, of course, there's there's the music news section. I put a section of things that I'm recommending every week, whether it's uh, articles or podcasts or videos for, for people to watch, all, of course, music-related. And then I also do a weekly playlist, um, which I put out on Spotify and Apple Music, um, full of uh, that week, new music that's been released um, that I think is great that I want to point people to. And uh, then lastly, I, I sort of cap a history uh, section where I sort of go through whatever the week is in that we're in. Um, I'd take that day in history and, and kind of break down everyone who has a birthday on that uh, day and, and any other sort of musical happenings that are interesting. Um, you know, sometimes there's little fun facts, um, tidbits that I, that I put in there that uh, sort of round the thing out. And um, about two months ago or so, I decided I would take that concept and translate it into a podcast as well. So I just started that recently. Um, yeah, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. The, the reception has been great. And I've heard um, actually the same thing from a lot of other people. Um, they, they didn't find anything else that sort of put all of that stuff together in one place. And uh, so people seem to like it. I'm with it. That's the most important thing there is that you're having fun with it. And I got to tell you, I have fun with it when I listen to your podcast and I read your newsletter. And I'll be honest, I mean, that was part of the your podcast was something that inspired me to go forward with this podcast. 
because I was oh having gosh, such thanks. fun listening to yours. And, and I'll tell you, like you said, it is hard to find all those things that you mentioned that you include in your podcast and in your newsletter, all that info. And, and I know for me, you're probably the same way. I get excited every Friday when new music is released. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's hard to find out exactly what has been released in those days or, or what's coming up in the future to keep an eye out for or an ear out for. And you've made that so much easier for my life. Oh, thank so you. thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I'm glad to, that it's uh, useful. Absolutely. And uh, well, let's let, let's move on to what we're going to talk about here. And that is Steely Dan. One of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest rock bands or rock and roll. You know, I think they're a little hard to categorize. A little in. bit. Yeah. But uh, have you been yeah. a fan for a long time? I have been a fan. <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. I have been a fan for, um, I grew up with kind of interesting. I have two older brothers that are much, much older um, than me. My brothers are. Uh, 17 and 19, I believe, years respectively, older than I am. That's um, quite a difference there. So by the time I came along, um, you know, they were uh, they were young adults and um, well on their way to to uh, music fandom. They were they were huge fans of music. They were both musicians themselves, and uh, so that's how I got introduced to Steely Dan. Brother, um, when I was five years old. Uh, a hurricane uh, and, and, a, and a tornado, not just one, but both, came through oh. and destroyed our house. Oh, man. And, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We had, um, we had like all these trees in our yard at one point, and they, they basically all landed on top of our house. Um, oh, so, my gosh. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was not fun. Um, but so my, we we had to move uh my my dad decided he build our our house and stay in the same spot um so we moved out for a couple of years and and while the new house was being constructed back um my my oldest brother was already gone moved away and he was living in california but um my dad rebuilt the the house and he built a special music room in the backyard um, that was a, it was a, actually the size of a very small house, like one of those, uh, tiny homes, you know, that you see nowadays. Oh yeah. And, oh wow. And, That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. He built other brother who was still at home, uh, because he was a drummer and he played drums. And, uh, so he would have, he had like a big stereo set up and his drum kit set up in there. And, uh, we just called it the, the music room. And so he would be playing all sorts of music from the day. Uh, out there in the room and I would go out and hang out with him and Steely Dan was uh, one of his favorite bands and he played them all the time and he would sit and like play his drums along to uh, the Steely Dan records which now that oh, I'm that's... an adult and I look back I'm like that's really impressive because the drum <laughs> this in Steely Dan's music is is really sophisticated you know yes it is um, it's very sophisticated so that was that was my introduction and I was, uh, I guess I was about seven or eight when, when I first started listening to Steely Dan, which I don't know that a lot of seven and eight year olds can say that. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> That's a pretty cool way you, you know, got to learn their music. I, I was a 
probably a little bit older when I first discovered them. And I, I have nothing as interesting as what you just said about a tornado or a hurricane <laughs> with the involvement. <laughs> with it. I think the first song that I actually remember becoming aware of by Steely Dan was Ricky Don't Lose That Number. And mm-hmm. this would have been probably mid 70s when it was still a fairly new song. And the reason that I remember it is because I had a kid in my grade school with me and his name was Ricky. His name was Ricky Marsinkevich, which is a very hard part. I don't know. It was, a, it was, it's easier to say than it was to spell. I think I'd had like <laughs> 20 letters in his last name, but I remember there were some older kids in the neighborhood and they would sing that around him. And we had no idea what that was referring to at that point, but I'm like, Oh, okay. That's a Ricky. Don't lose that number. And I didn't know that it, he was Ricky R I C K Y as most male mm-hmm. Rickies are. And it's not like the song where it's R I K K I, but I right. think that's the first thing I became aware of. And a couple of years after that is when I started, I know getting into listening to the radio more. And that was shortly after the Asia album came out. And I fell in love with the song Peg, which I believe was mm-hmm. the first single from that album. And I remember buying that in a store that uh, was not far from me in Newcastle, Delaware, buying the little 45 of it, the 45 record. And uh, I just played the hell out of that. I'm sure I drove my parents and my siblings nuts with it. <laughs> so that, that was my first, uh, my first real venture there. And shortly afterwards, too, I remember my father was away on a trip for work. And he knew that I loved music. He, he didn't listen to rock or pop back then. But, but he was a good dad. And he had heard about this new album. I guess one of his coworkers had pointed it out when they were out shopping while they taking a little break from work and it was the soundtrack for the movie fm which came oh, yeah. out in 1978 yep. and they had a song mm-hmm. fm no static at all so i fell in love with that too and then well years later when i could finally start affording to buy things on my own you know i went crazy and ended up buying most of their things so i've been a fan for well, most of my life yeah that that was another um uh, album that that my brother had was that FM soundtrack, which which like you said had the the song FM, but then so much other great music too from oh, yeah, from so many did. other I artists. Remember, I remember I, th- I want to say Joe Walsh's "Life's Been Good" was on there, and uh, I remember yep. just about Tom Petty uh, "Breakdown" was on there. So it was sort of this great, you know, I think it was a double. I, I think it may have been a double album. I'm not sure, but it, it was, still it had yeah. a nice mixture. Yeah. It had a great mixture of a lot of popular artists from that time. And then Linda Ronstadt, so many others, Randy Meisner, a solo thing from him. Uh, yep. Of course, a legendary bass player and singer for the Eagles. But uh, but anyway, that's all. that could be a whole other show. That's the artists from that time period. But right. um, Steely Dan, uh, do you remember? Well, let, let's let's go through some of their some of their albums. Um, I know we spoke you and I spoke before about how we really both love the majority of the things that they recorded during their original run, they had put mm-hmm. out their first album can't buy a thrill in 1972. And they put out a total of seven studio albums um, before they split for a while. The last one being Gaucho in 1980. And do you have one that you could say is your favorite Steely Dan album, or is that almost impossible to do? I've, I've thought a lot about this. That's almost impossible to do. I, you know, speaking of the, like their first album can't buy a, I mean, what a debut album. Oh, you know, it's pretty amazing. Right out of the gate. The the bar was set very high. Um, Yeah, I've I've given a lot of thought to it. And I've actually been listening to to uh, Steely Dan 
pretty much on repeat for the last couple of days cycles where you know i'll I'll go back to an old uh, an older favorite artist of mine that i haven't listened to in a while and so it had been a couple of months since i had listened to the dan and yeah it just i could i could not nail it down if 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 i had to um the first seven uh, or the the seven studio albums before they they took their split yeah i mean yeah you know i I love, it's hard to say, like, you know, if I had one that I wasn't my favorite and, you know, I may get criticized or, or crucified for, for saying this, Gaucho is great, but it's not my favorite. I get you. Pretzelogic uh, is great, but it's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, along so those lines, one... <laughs> and I think I'm pretty much with you there. I mean, slightly different though. I I, I think I I love Gaucho, and I can't pick one single favorite. I, I go to Gaucho time and time again. I mean, there's so many great songs on there. I don't think there's any one album in those first seven albums that I can say is a bad album by any means. I think they're all no. very good, but I just like them, you know, to, you know, stronger degrees in some cases. Uh, you mentioned the first album a little while ago, Can't Buy a Thrill. And the way I actually got into the albums was, I want to say it was the mid nineties. There was a box set released called Citizen Steely Dan. That was mm-hmm. a, it was a four CD box set that actually had all seven of those albums on it. And so I would just play those four CDs over and over and over again. And, and really at that point, I don't know, the, the way they were set up, it, it was hard for me to to say, you know, what was on what album when they were originally released. Because to me, they were just mm-hmm. four CDs that I would, you know, play over and over again. And sometimes I'd have them all in a shuffle mode at the same time. Right. And uh, <laughs> But Can't Buy a Thrill, that first album for 72, that one's very unique because it features, uh, well, a different singer on a couple of the songs. There was a uh, singer named David Palmer who was very briefly with Steely Dan, and he yeah. sings on one of the most well-known songs from that. Well, it sings lead on a uh, song, Dirty Work, which still mm-hmm. to this day gets played a lot on classic rock radio stations and satellite stations. You a fan of that song? I love I love that song. Yeah, I, uh, younger before I learned all about the band, I I was confused because I'm like, wait, that's Steely Dan. That doesn't sound like Steely Dan. Yeah. You know, the, the, because David Palmer was singing on, on those couple of tracks and I'm like, but that is Steely Dan. Well, who's singing? And then I learned about, um, I, I actually am a, a big fan of the songs that he sings lead on. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I like that one. And, uh, I know he, one that I love that he does too, is uh, Brooklyn O's the charmer under is it under me? Yeah, under me. Brooklyn knows the charmer under me, which is an odd title, but that that's not uh, a rarity for Steely Dan. They have a lot of very unique titles and lyrics in their songs. Yeah, yeah, they do. But uh, yeah, and then I guess he and Donald kind of traded off vocals on a couple of the songs on that one too. Like even turn that heartbeat over again. You can hear both of them pretty well on that song. I love that one quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, and and I think they doubled their vocal parts on on reeling in the years, and only yeah, a fool would right. say that. Yeah, I, I thought Those he had a great voice. Yeah, I, I me learned too, that and... he was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You learned that. Oh, I was just gonna learned that um, Palmer joined Steely Dan um, at the insistence of a record executive for ABC Records. 
apparently he thought he was he was going to be a, a great fit for the band and so that was sort of like how he got in uh the band at least for the brief time that he was in it <laughs> yeah i had heard that and then i heard too that they one thing i think that somebody i think it might have been one of uh their managers the band's managers was uh a little worried because at that time donald fagan wasn't incredibly comfortable with singing live in concerts and they thought having that extra vocalist might be an aid to them uh because mm -hmm. apparently david palmer had had a, quite a bit of experience singing live at that point in you know various bands that he had been in and certainly he sounded as, as we can both say and i'm sure a lot of music heads can say his songs that he did on camp by a thrill were good but I think everybody learned pretty quickly that Donald Fagan was enough for a lead vocalist for Steely Dan. I know, I know. I can't imagine, you know, I think he's a, an amazing vocalist. I can't imagine being that and having stage fright, you know. I mean, I I know yeah. that it's they're too, totally unrelated, but it's like maybe he just he didn't realize how good he was. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that's probably the case. And uh, I was reading a little bit about them, you know, at the history of the band and there had been a couple of bands that Donald Fagan and Walter Becker, who was the other main Steely Dan member, ha had been in, well, going back to college. They had met in college, and mm -hmm. there was actually a band that they did with a well-known actor. Are you familiar who briefly played with them before they became Steely Dan? Uh, that was Bill Murray, wasn't it? Uh, no, but you're darned close. It was Chevy Chase. Chevy they Chase, played... that's right. Yeah, I'll be to see you couldn't have been much closer there. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> well we should do yeah. a show sometime about Caddyshack or something with those two in it. That was an <laughs> awesome, awesome movie. But yeah, yeah Chevy was. was in a band called The Leather Canary. And I've I've heard I read an interview with Chevy Chase where he said, well, he just called it basically a bad jazz band. <laughs> yeah. And he was their drummer. <laughs> Apparently he was a pretty good drummer, but uh, you know, he went on to do one or two other things separate from music. So he made out pretty well for himself yeah he did okay. but uh yeah and, and speaking of the history of these guys you and i talked about this before steely dan has uh well they came they have an interesting way that they came up with the name for their band didn't they um <laughs> they did yeah. when i was a kid and i heard steely dan i don't know i i think i was still like probably a big comic book reader then and i thought man of steel like superman maybe this is some like sort of heroic name but uh Right. It's not quite that. Uh, do you want to you want to share how um, how they got their name, Chris? I'm gonna throw this on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they took the name Steely Dan from uh, a novel uh, titled Naked Lunch, written by William S. Burroughs. And uh, I've I they they adapted the book into a movie in the it was either the late I, late 2000s i can't remember um which i saw i saw the film but i never read the book and the film was weird like just bizarre yeah. if it was taken directly from the book you know that's it, it it's quite a weird novel um <laughs> but in the in the novel burroughs uh, wrote in about uh this this couple and that they had this uh uh sex toy it was a a, a dildo apparently powered um which is interesting uh, like why not yeah. make it steam powered and it was called uh steely dan three comma and and so they, <laughs> they found that passage in the book you know apparently they were they were uh both uh were were into literature and and, and 
Burroughs was very popular in the day. Um, yeah, so that's that's where the name came. And they decided, okay, that's it. That has to be the name of the band. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I, I mean, what I was, I was certainly, I think people hearing this, a lot of them are not going to be aware of that. I, I had told my wife that story, and she's like, oh, come on. I like their music. I, like, I, she wasn't familiar <laughs> with their music too well before we got together. And, and I'm like, well, let me play some stuff. And she ended up liking a lot of the albums that I played. And then I told her that story, and she's like, oh, I wish you kind of didn't tell me that. I would have been okay not knowing that. <laughs> you kind of think about that every time you hear them now. <laughs> it's sort of similar to the band 10CC. Are you familiar with 10CC? I am familiar with them. I, I'm not sure the uh, the origin of their name. Um, well, okay, that one's pretty interesting too. There is, um, I'm not even sure I want to talk about that on the air. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'll I'll do some offline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do some research into that. It, it's it's a little <laughs> dirty. So uh, listeners, listeners can Google that if they wish to. Yeah, go and Google the history of uh, 10CC and how they got their name. But uh, that could be for on a whole other show too. But yeah, thanks for sharing the story about how Steely Dan got their name, Chris. I yeah, that was. That. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't. I don't think a lot of people know about that. Um, you know, like you, I think you know. Same, same for me. I just assumed it was. It was something like you said that you know for for years and years it was only in in the last few years that I learned where that name originated. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, yeah. and I want to go back to Campfire Thrill for a second. That debut album, like you had said earlier. Boy, what a amazing piece of work to put out as your first album. That had two very, very big hits on it. Uh, two, two of what were still bit their biggest hits throughout their career, and that was Reeling in the Years and mm -hmm. uh, Do It Again. Do It Again is yep. a classic, and so I love those. And then after that, they had their next album was uh, the next year, 1973. It was Countdown to Ecstasy, and that had a couple of hits on it, too. It had Bodhisattva. I, I always mm -hmm. feel that I'm saying that wrong. I think I can say it when I'm singing along to the song on the radio, but, uh, and then my old school, which is one of my personal favorite Steely Dan songs. Yeah. Every song on that album is just, it's, you know, people talk about no skip albums, albums where it's like, it's hard to find those. They're increasingly rare. I think where you, you just want to listen to every track and there's not one or two where you hit it and you're like, Oh, good. I'm going to skip over this. Go to the next. One. I don't, I don't yeah, think exactly. there's a single skip on, on either of their uh, first two albums. Well, any of their albums, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, from there, they went to Pretzel Logic. I know you said that wasn't your favorite, but I, I imagine there's at least one or two on that one that you like. Oh, that, that had, love... you don't lose that number. And, yeah, I love I love the album. I, it's it's not that uh that I d actively dislike it. Um, right, right. It's, I didn't mean yeah, to imply that. Just, Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I yeah, I think on that album, any major dude will tell you is probably my favorite song on that album. That's a great song. I love that song. And uh, from that one, uh, they went into an interesting era because the next album was Katie Lied. And that was the first album that they had that featured Michael McDonald appearing with them. He had toured with them for the um, Pretzel Logic album. Mm -hmm. And that's how he had joined the band. Well, he wasn't an official member of the band, but that's how he had become part of their uh, group of musicians. And I love the Katie Lied album. You can you can hear McDonald very very well in that he sings background pretty prominently on several of the songs. Yeah, he's I I love Michael McDonald too. Um, I think that was an amazing 
to their uh, rotating lineup of musicians that they're singers that you know that, that would contribute on their albums his such voice yeah and you can hear i love his parts on bad sneakers for example the whole mm-hmm. you know you can hear said doing the go insane lines and, other, and laughing in the frozen rain which are, I, I just love those lines well that's one of the great things i think about steely dan some of they're uh, so very unique <laughs> they don't sing your typical love songs and it's not all about just rhyming in their songs not that it's, there's anything bad with love songs or you know coming up with good rhymes but i, I don't know lyrically they're just amazing <laughs> yeah they're they're atypical when it comes to the somewhere that they had uh that you you wouldn't really find a, a traditional love song on any of their albums but they did record I believe I read three different songs that were would have actually been considered love songs that were like, you know, sung to a person, um, but decided never to release those, to never put those on wow. any album. So I, I thought I that was interesting. That. That, yeah, that's very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. I know one of my uh, good friends, his name is Dave. He said one of the things that he loved about Steely Dan was he used to say, I love them because, you know, they're just as miserable as I am. <laughs> he thought that Donald <laughs> Fagan was especially miserable. I, don't, I, I could hear some, like, you know, some some happiness in Donald Fagan once in a while. But uh, I, I uh, yeah, definitely not your it, typical love song. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he, he's definitely more of a more of a, a wry sort of, you know, dry humor, dark humor, yes. sort of a sort of a dude, which I. I with that as well so i like that about him uh, i do too uh, yeah he's definitely got a dry sense of humor i um are you familiar with his solo stuff very much um the nightfly is the first solo album he did uh i liked quite a bit yeah i'm I not i'm not I, nearly I as familiar with it as this it's it's a it's a great album it really is. I love that one. And I'm kind of, that's the one that I know the best of his solo works. Uh, but the reason I had brought this up was there's a song on his most recent uh, solo album. That that album was called Sunken Condos that came out in 2012. And it was called I'm Not the Same Without You. And it was, what to me, one of the, I, I recommend you listen to it. It's one of the best breakup songs ever. Because it's not, it's not, I'm not the same without you because I'm sad because you're gone. It's kind of, I'm not the same without you. And I'm thrilled about you not being here. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's this great take on breaking up. And I, I remember around that time, I think I had a bad breakup and I listened to that. And I was thinking, you know, yeah, I probably am better off without that particular person in my life. So, That's so, thank so you, funny. Donald Fagan, that... for making that breakup easier for me back in 2012. <laughs> which I, so I want to be that... clear, is a couple of years before I met my wife. <laughs> If yeah, <laughs> you gotta specify that. Yeah, if he was gonna write a, a breakup song, that it just it would be something like that. Like, yeah, it's a breakup song, but I'm so much better off without you. <laughs> and uh, you know, just we're already like that. That's that was the fourth album there that I mentioned, the uh, Katie Lied album, and then from there it went to one of my favorite albums. And that was the Royal Scam. And that's got one of my favorite uh, Steely Dan songs on it. It was Kid Charlemagne. I, I love oh, that yeah. song so much. I would probably put that in my top five or at least top 10 Steely Dan songs. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That whole album is just back-to-back bangers, oh, as the kids say yeah. nowadays. Yeah, absolutely exactly. incredible. I remember um, my. I mentioned my older brothers, and the oldest one was living in California. Um, I was probably... 13 years old or so, uh, maybe 14. 
and uh, Guns N' Roses released their debut album, Appetite for Destruction. And uh, I found it and I was just, I was so into that record. Oh, such that, a great album. Cassette. I had it on cassette and a wall. Oh, wow. Right. And, um, I, and uh, my, my parents told me I wanted to go visit my brother. My parents told me, well, if, if you go and work during the summer um, and save your money to buy your plane ticket, you can go see it. I made a little little business out of uh, cutting yards, cutting grass for people. So I would, you know, push my mower around the neighborhood, their, their grass. And so I saved up enough money, bought my plane ticket, flew to California. And um, my brother was, you know, I was listening to this roses all the time. And I was like, listen to the guitar playing on this thing. And I, and I would distinctively remember him saying guitar playing. You're let me, let me, show you what real guitar sounds like and he played me uh don't take me alive from oh nice. from royal scam and he's like that's a guitar solo and i was like okay yeah that's that is that is a great guitar solo <laughs> <laughs> yeah they have oh boy they employed such great musicians on their albums and especially after well you know we talked about how they had michael mcdonald with them um he was he was only actually with them for one album before he left and went on to be with the Doobie Brothers, although he continued to appear on the album singing background, like on Peg and some things on the Gaucho album. But they, uh, at that point, had decided to go off the road and spend more time, you know, just working on things and making them as perfect as they could on the studio. And they employed so many different musicians uh, on each album. Yeah. I think, yeah, Larry Carlson, it was... Uh, mm -hmm of course, a famous guitarist. And I know he played on at least two of the albums, I want to say. And I don't, I don't know if this was the solo the, you're talking about. That, I was going to say, I think his was the Larry Carlton was the solo on Don't Take Me Alive. Oh, OK. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And, and yeah, boy, the music. And, and 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 Walter Becker ended up being a pretty good guitarist. too. I know he wasn't originally the lead guitarist for them. They had Jeff Skunk Baxter with them for a while who went on yep. to be in the Doobie Brothers as well and, and with other artists. But I think it was much later after they got back together that Becker decided to become their lead guitarist, at least on some of the songs. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Don't Take Me Alive. That's a killer track right there. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it. all of their music really, you know, it was so ahead of the day for when yeah. they were releasing this stuff. Because, I mean, if you think about it, now the music of Steely Dan has been around for 50 years. That's incredible. Yeah. It really is. An album, an album 50, 45, 40, 40 years ago um, still sounds ahead of its time today. You know? Yeah. one else like them. There's never been... No, you, there's really so hasn't. many bands that you're like, oh, they kind of sound like so-and-so, or nowadays so-and-so sounds a lot such and such from back in the day, but no one's ever sounded like Steely Dan. Not, no, not, not musically, not lyrically, you know, not at all. And I think, and yeah, you, I, I totally agree. It, well, you mentioned yeah. a minute ago about the, all of the musicians that they, they were sort of, um, you know, fame for that, as I, as I understand that, you know, they would cycle through so many single recording set. They'd had uh, someone come in and say, they, a guitar solo and they're like mm, fit they would bring in another guitarist and and see until one that they like yeah was, i've heard that too five different guitar 
finally decided on one that they're like, that's it. That's what we want. Exactly. And they, and they really were, you know, such professionals and they, they, they wanted that whatever was in their head that they decided they wanted, they weren't going to settle for anything less. And it didn't matter if it was Larry Carlton or other famous guitarists or, or other musicians, you know, they weren't going by the popularity of that person. They, they, whoever could play what they wanted, that's what was there. And yeah. it, it shows, like you said, you know, 50, 50 years later or 40 years later, in some cases with some of these things, uh, the music holds up and it's so very unique. I think that's why you don't hear a lot of remakes or cover versions of their songs. Every once in a while, there'll be one that comes along that's pretty impressive, but I mean, they you were know, just, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's interesting. You, you mentioned that I discovered um, a, a spin article that was published a couple of years ago. That was like the top 10 Steely Dan covers. And I'm like, really? I, I didn't no. know anyone had ever covered Steely Dan songs. <laughs> and and so I listened to there were there were 10 of them. I listened to all of them um, and uh, actually made a little list because I thought I would we would we could talk about this. Um, oh, well, this is Wilco. Perfect. Wilco covered it. Oh, really? um, wow. Yeah. And and they did a really good job. I'm a, I'm a big Wilco fan. I like like every. Um, but I think they did a really good job on that. There were out of this list, I think I'd heard um, there there were I'd never heard of before um, a band called Feed Me Jack, and they did they did they covered Reeling in the Years. Um, oh, really, a band yeah, a band called Nash Cato did a cover of Dirty Work, and out of this entire list, I'd say was as close to the original as as any of these covers some of these some of these covers people just took it and made it and if you listen to it you're like this doesn't even sound like the same song until they start singing the lyrics and you're like well it's the same lyrics but man they rearrange musically um tori oh, wow. amos did a cover of do it again and if I you started listening to it you're like there's no way this is she starts singing the lyrics. You're like, oh, uh, the right lyric. But man, she like completely rearranged music. Did you like it or not so much? I didn't. I, I, I love Tori Amos, but I wasn't really, you know, it's because you know that song. It's so ingrained yeah. in your soul. It doesn't, I didn't just so it makes it hard doesn't it when you know and love a song so much even if it's an artist that you absolutely love hearing them do it it's like eh, thanks but i'm gonna stick with the original <laughs> yeah yeah yep. i'm curious um, about the, i'm sorry go ahead chris no go ahead go ahead i was just gonna ask the only one uh cover that i can think of that pops into my head was uh i used to hear it and i used to work at a department store and i would hear it on the music that they played there all the time it was uh only a fool would say that and i don't know i want to say it was john legend doing it but i might be wrong someone covered that song and did a darn good job of it and i will have to look that up later if you don't know <laughs> what what song uh only a fool that. would say that only a fool would say that i'm not sure who covered that yeah, I'll just check that out. So, sorry, listeners, I don't know that one for sure. Maybe you want to check that out yourself. But I, I'm curious yeah, about to hear some of the ones that you mentioned, like the Wilco song. That I'm, I'm sure that's uh, pretty good. Yeah, um, uh, Joe Jackson did a cover of "King of the World." Uh, ben Get Folds from Ben Ben Marytown, which is kind of a kind of a deep cut, kind of a more one of the it more is. obscure tracks. 
Um, and, I love uh, the, Barrytown. Too, and and the Minutemen, the uh, punk band from from way back in the day, uh, covered Doctor Wu, which again, it's it's oh, wow. not really close to the original. It sounds like you know, it sounds like a punk band doing Doctor Wu, which is uh, interesting. Yeah, I bet it is. Well, I'm definitely going to check out some of those. And well, thanks for sharing that. I, I, I'll I I'll, I'll I'll send the article and if maybe show notes and and uh because yeah, in the, in the article it they actually embedded a youtube video for each of these songs so you could just go through and click on listen to all of them well that sounds great i'll definitely do that thank you yeah. um, we're getting like towards the end of uh what, what, what were the original seven albums by steely dan and uh the next one after the royal scam was uh, arguably their most successful album asia which came out mm-hmm. in 1977 that one was uh Oh boy, such a big hit. It had Peg on it and Josie and uh, I got the news on that one or was that Gaucho? I'm drawing up. Yeah, I got the news is on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh my god. Oh, and um, Black Cow and Deacon Blue. Such great songs. Every song on that one to me is just fantastic. Their their shortest album, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, because there's only, I think think there were seven tracks in Asia, but, um, but some of them were uh lengthy you know i think uh deacon yeah. blues is seven and a half minutes and yeah that's a long it's eight one. minutes long i think yeah oh they're both such great songs i remember hearing deacon blues on the radio when it was new and i was a kid and i think i thought that i was so cool because i liked it and it was so unique <laughs> you know it had that jazzy sound to it and yeah just it was so different than other things that were getting played on the radio in 1977. Cause you that's the period, you know, when disco was so big and the BGs oh, and yeah. others like them were rolling the radio stations. And that one really stood out as being different. And I still love that song. Yeah. You can really tell that they're, uh, was the thing about them, right? Like in addition to incredible songwriting and musicianship, um, is the production quality of of their albums is another thing that they're really known for having that super polished sound and really all the way back to their first album but you can definitely if you if you progress linearly through their catalog you can definitely see that production quality enhance album to album and by the time they got to by the time they got to asia they had it down. They really knew they what did. they were doing. You they know. really did. I mean, it was such a fantastic album. I mentioned Black Cow a little while ago, and that was one of, it is still one of my favorite songs by them. I actually saw the band once. It was in the late 90s, and I bought a concert shirt there that still one of my favorite concert shirts ever. It it, it, it had uh, words at the top of it. It said, drink your big, and then it was just a big drawing of a black cow. And then it's and get <laughs> nice. out of here under it. And I had that for years. And then I tore it or something stupid happened to it. And I, 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 I'm mad that I don't have it. 20 years later, and I'm still mad that I no longer have that shirt. Oh, that's <laughs> but, cool. Uh, yeah, it was a good one. And then after that, we, we talked about Gaucho earlier. Their, their final studio album before they split up was Gaucho. And that had some good songs on it, too, including... Um, well, um, I was going to mention here at the Western World, but that was that's something different. That actually came later on. Um, but yeah, Babylon Sisters, Time Out of Mind, Hey Nineteen, like you just said, such great music. You did you? I I learned something interesting the other day. Um, Babel about Bab- Babylon. Uh, 
it's the only song on any of their albums where neither Donald Fagan or Walter Becker played instruments. Really? All wow, of the other musicians they were they were using for their sessions played all of the instruments. They didn't do any guitar, they didn't do any piano or, or keyboard or, or anything. Um, just just the vocals. Just just uh Fagan. Wow. Yeah, I, I thought that was no I thought that was fascinating. That is I don't know why. Like I don't know why they did it that way, but that was little steely Dan trivia I learned the other day that I thought, huh, wow. Right. Yeah. That is fascinating. And maybe that goes back to what you said a few minutes ago when you know you were you brought up how you know they were going for the perfect sound that they wanted, and maybe they figured, you know, these guys can play it better than we do in this case. Maybe so, yeah. It probably yeah. was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just found out something interesting about the Gaucho album just today when I was uh, researching before the show. And that's that uh, they got into some trouble for the title track, Gaucho. They were actually um, uh, sued not long after the album came out because there was a musician named Keith Jarrett, who I think is mainly known as a jazz musician. And he had released a song. I'm not sure how long it came out before the Gaucho album, but an instrumental called long as you know you're living yours and hmm. apparently it sounded a lot like gaucho and there was a lawsuit about this where the end result was that he was credited as one of the songwriters i guess on future releases for the interesting album. yeah and That's i, I went listening to it and, and you that. can hear this yeah, you can hear the similarity in in the original song by keith jarrett and i think donald fagan uh said later on he admitted that he was a fan of keith jarrett's and in particular he had loved that song so maybe it was a deal where he didn't know <laughs> what he was doing mm -hmm. at the time but that music was just you know part of him and it came out in his recording for gaucho so i'm glad the band got got a songwriting credit on it he, he i guess he deserved it <laughs> yeah he yeah and, he was a a, fam a a great uh a great jazz artist i i yeah, definitely I, have recordings Okay, well, just just hearing about that, I, I I knew his name before I read this piece, but I had never heard any of his music. And now I want to seek out some of that. And uh, well, after that album, you know, the band fell apart. Uh, they split up for quite a while. And when I say the band, of course, it was really at that point just Donald Fagan and Walter Becker. And they didn't record again. Well, they got back together in the early '90s. And that's when they started touring again together. And it was it was a a while before they actually put out another studio album. That was uh, Two Against Nature in the year 2000. And that was a big success for them, but I can't say it's one of my favorites. I, I don't really revisit that very often. Yeah, yeah, same, same for me. I sort of, well, I thought about it that that I sort of tuned out after Gaucho. And, and I think that was because, you know, around the time my, my brothers left home and they were my they were my feed for Steely Dan. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, and then I was sort of my own and I was finding my own music. And so <clears throat> I, I probably at the time assumed like, well, that's it for Steely Dan. They're not making any more albums which for many, yeah, many, many years. Time. Yeah. I think they had, they had a live album that they released in the mid nineties. Right. Yeah. I, which I'm drawing a blank on the title of that one right now. And I, I think that's one that I heard once back then, but, and I, I think a friend had it but i i, I wasn't too inspired mm -hmm. to go and buy it myself i think it was a, but, alive uh, in america that was the title yes yeah you're yeah. right you're right 
And uh, I remember well, I, b- I bought that that reunion album, The Two Against Nature, when it came out. And I, I listened to it a handful of times. And I think almost more because I felt like I should because I was a fan of them from before, but it's then it just sat and collected dust till I got rid of the majority of my CDs years later. Yeah. And uh, yeah. one thing I remember reading about that, there was a song on there called Cousin Dupree mm-hmm. that I remember, I remember thinking it was pretty good, but years later it became the basis for a lawsuit that Donald Fagan, and I don't know if Walter Becker co-wrote co-wrote it with him but donald fagan ended up suing the creators of the movie you me and dupree did you ever hear of that movie i did hear of it yeah yeah i want to say it was owen wilson and i think matt Dillon may have been in that too and it was just like a silly goofy comedy but i think because you know they had used the name dupree and and i'm like come on that 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 seems like a stretch there (laughs) that is a bit of a stretch ended up yeah, but yeah. That, that kind of made me, and I've heard some other things over the years, just where there were some lawsuits, and I don't want to go too far down that road, because we're here to talk about the music, but, you know, maybe they filed some lawsuits against people that they thought were, you know, infringing upon their rights in one way or another, and certainly you want to protect your works, but something like that just seems a little far-fetched to me, so, is, but, yeah. you know, yeah, but, but whatever, good, you know, good luck to all of you. <laughs> do you, do and, you know uh, something... <clears throat> No, no, go ahead. I didn't have much more to say with that one. Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, that we talked a little bit. Or obviously, everyone knows that, you know, they're they're so musically uh, sophisticated and unique and diverse um, and and that it's hard to play their music. Um, I mean, they were I, I consider the two of them musical geniuses, um, yeah. as I'm sure many people do. And um, and it's not easy to to replicate that. <clears throat> but something that I'd learned is that there are a surprising number of Steely Dan cover bands in existence today. Did you know that? I did not know that. Uh, I, so um, many. I, go ahead. Wow. Yeah. No. There's there's an there's an all female uh, Steely Dan cover band. They're called A N N. Get out of here! Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, a lot there, of the, there is a, a lot bi- of the... I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, no, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I, I am aware of one cover band that is, I live in Northern Delaware, so I'm not that far from Philadelphia. I think they're based out of Philly and they're called Countdown to Ecstasy. I have yep. not seen them yet because they primarily play in Philly and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like to go up and deal with Philly traffic, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, but that's, I, I love the Steely, Steely Ann. That's fantastic. Yeah. I thought that is that is a lot of i, I think know. there's like i counted i started i started researching this because i didn't find all of them lit, but I, I was researching it and i came up i, I don't know it's like 17 or 18 different ones most of them were named after uh an album or or at some play on the name steely dan uh like steely ann or there's one called steely dane and there's another one called where they do like oh, a wow. mixture of Steely Dan and Grateful Dead <laughs> songs together, here. which is a really bizarre. Oh, comp. that's that, yeah. that's bizarre, but bizarre to the point where I would probably pay to see them. Yeah, <laughs> I would too. Same. So you'd have to see it or listen to it to get it. I think, but yeah, it sounds it sounds yeah. interesting. That reminds me of a. There was a band years ago. You probably heard of. Them. I think it was Dread Zeppelin. 
where it was yeah, reggae uh-huh. versions of Led Zeppelin songs. It kind of made me think <laughs> of that a little bit. It does. It yeah. does sound, yeah. It's so fun when you see creativity like that, you know, because people are so inspired by a band or a musician's works, you know, where they could go and take it in a different direction, but still like have that love of the original music. It's, it's pretty wonderful when it's done well. One of the last concerts I saw right happened um, was a, a Pink Floyd cover band. Um, and they were, they were from Australia. I believe they just called themselves Australian Pink Floyd, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Um, but they were phenomenal. If you, wow. you in the front row too, which I mean, incredible seats. And they had a pretty good mock stage setup, like the Pink Floyd show with the giant circular up in the center with the, the lights all around it and projecting different things on it. If you closed your eyes, you wouldn't have known that it, that it wasn't them. You'd kind of tell the vocalist didn't sound exactly the same, but otherwise, um, but that, yeah, that it's pretty interesting. Wonderful. Yeah, I I have actually heard of them before. I heard that they were considered to be one of the greatest Pink Floyd cover bands. That's awesome. I I haven't had a chance to see them. I've seen a band called Echoes that's been around for at least 20 years. And they go up and down the East Coast of the U.S. quite a bit and probably other places, too. And it's the same as what you just said. Like, uh, vocally, they don't sound a lot like Pink Floyd. I mean, they're as Uh close as they can be, I suppose. But musically, they nail everything. And uh, I remember one time I had seen them, I want to say it was was around 2007, 2008. And I went with my best friend and he was also a big Pink Floyd fan like myself. And we thought that musically they sounded maybe a smidge better than Floyd had the last time we saw (laughs) Pink Floyd. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a Van Halen cover band that plays in my area too. And we said the same thing about them. We, because it had, I don't know, when we used to go, we used to see this band every time they played in our favorite bar. And at that point, uh, David Lee Roth was back touring with Van Halen. And, and Dave, I, I love David Lee Roth, but his voice hasn't held up like it sounded yeah. back in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> and, and we'll yeah. say we'd actually go rather see this cover band play than see the original artist play, which is. You know, oh, well. I don't mean to I don't mean to diss David Lee Roth or anyone like that, but sometimes these cover bands are that good, you know, because they just love the music so much. What the, you know, the same thing applies that you just said there. The same thing applies to some of cover bands because I was able to find uh, some YouTube videos from some of them <clears throat> and sort of go and see like, okay, what do, you know, what do you guys, how close to the original do you guys sound? And it would be the same thing um, with regard to the music like they they pretty much know the music and some of them also uh, a couple of the ones i i watched and i can't remember particularly which ones they were now but um the singers would also like it was like oh he's he's nailing donald fagan's voice like this dude sounds like really wow. close to so the whole thing was like it was really imp- um wow. and like well, i said i wish great. i yeah i wish i could remember which one it was but um uh yeah there's well, there's a, there's a quite a list but it it's worth watching some some youtube videos well you've inspired me i'm going to be checking that stuff out and i definitely want to check out too you know some of those other things you told me about like the joe jackson recording and the Tori amos recording and some of those well-known artists who have covered steely dan over the years and um i wanted to uh just ask you about this you had mentioned the live album that they put out in the 90s were you aware that they put out a live album in 2021 called the northeast corridor steely dan live have you ever heard that i 
Yeah, I have heard that. I have heard that. That's pretty good. And that was the first uh, live album that they put out uh, since the unfortunate passing of Walter Becker. He had passed away in, I think it was 2017. And Donald Fagan continued on as Steely Dan. I, I read that he was reluctant to go out on the road as Steely Dan, but the promoters mm-hmm. and I guess his the powers that be said, you're going to draw more people and, you know, you're going to, you're going to get a bigger crowd if you go out and steal it. Yeah. So he reluctantly did that. And I think he uses yeah. pretty much the same band that he had used when he and Becker had been touring all those years. And, and I'll tell you, that album is fantastic. It, it, it's, it's like you're listening to them back in their heyday. And to me, that's pretty impressive, you know, recorded, you know, gosh, like for over 40 years after they had broken up initially. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And then, and their that live album they released in the nineties, I believe that was in 90. And so this, this new live album in 2021, it's like, that's, that's a, what is that? 25, 24 difference. And I agree with you. I agree with you. It's, it sounded just as amazing as it did, you know, back in the day, but yeah. I was, I was so excited when I was like, wait, a new Steely Dan album. What do you mean? knowing that Walter Becker is gone. And then I was like, oh, it's a live album. But when I heard it, I'm like, oh, man, they still sound just as good as they they ever did. It's pretty amazing. And I don't know how old Donald Fagan is now. I would think he's got to be in at least his mid-70s, if not, you know, a little bit older than that. But it's amazing how well, how incredible he sounds. And the same day that that album came out, there was a live version with the same exact band doing his his entire album of The Nightfly. Oh, really? uh, yeah, that's pretty amazing, too. I, I can't really say which of those two albums I like more because they're both just incredible. So if you if you like live music, ladies and gentlemen, you should definitely give them a listen. Definitely check Excuse that me, out. I'll yeah, Donald, water here. Donald, uh, Donald Fagan is 75 years old now. And it looks like kind of going back to what you were saying about David Lee Roth, it's amazing how some musicians from back in the day just they lost something along the way this shot but but fagan even at 75 years old is still sounding still sounding good yeah and, and what's great too about them is the fact that you know it, it back in the mid 70s like i had said earlier he, he decided to not tour and at that time it was partly because they wanted to concentrate on their studio recordings but i think it was also a, just from the fact that he and walter becker didn't really care for for performing live. And that was something that they really didn't fall in love with until much later. And that's been the primary thing Steely Dan has done since, well, gosh, now for almost close to 30 years. I think it was the early, I think it was 93 when they got back together and started doing their tours. And even with mm-hmm. Waterbecker's passing, it's still a regular thing. I think there might be a tour this year, but I'm not 100% sure of that. I think it's something Pagan's been going back and forth on. If I get a chance, I'm, I don't go to many concerts, but I would go see Steely Dan one more time, I think. I would definitely go. I, I never got a chance to see them. So if he if he decided to tour again, I would definitely make it a point to an exorbitant amount of money on a ticket to go see him. <laughs> they, they are exorbitant now. One tour I'm really sorry I missed, and I think it was just a few years before Walter Pecker passed away. Because, did I say Walter Pecker? I think I said Pecker. Sorry about that, Mr. Pecker, with a B. <laughs> um, is uh, Steely Dan toured with the Doobie Brothers. And to me, what a great double bill, because I understand oh, Michael yeah. McDonald would perform, you know, with both of them at times. And that's that's pretty neat. 
His so, voice was tired just, just, by the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> and speaking of end of shows, I'm afraid that we're going to have to wrap this one up now. And I got to tell you, Chris, this was, like I said earlier, this was the first episode of the show and you, you were a fantastic guest. So I thank you very much. I had a lot of fun talking about Steely Dan and other things with you. Oh, I did want to ask you one, one other thing, Chris, because mm-hmm. you're so into what's new in music. Is there, what's one new album by anybody that you've found that you've been enjoying lately. Oh, gosh. Recommend something to um, me. Jeez. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's, that's a, that's it's a, a tough one. Huh? It's, it's, it's like trying to pick your favorite, you know, Steely Dan album because there has been so much good music um, lately that's come out. I'll tell you, there's a, there's an artist by the name of Butch Bastard. Um, Butch who, Bastard? Like, yeah, like that's the his name. Word, bastard? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's he has an EP out right now that has four four songs on it, I believe, and his full length album is coming out in about two weeks. Um, he's really really oh, yeah. amazing. Okay. Um, so that's really good. Uh, Jason Isbell has a new album coming out, and um, uh, there's a there's a band called Bloom B L U H M uh, out of Detroit that I just did an interview last week. Um, And they, they release really, really dreamy dream pop sort of music, which I was when in the conversation with them, I told them that their music is timeless, has a timeless quality. And it reminds me of, it sounds modern, but it also sounds like it could have appeared on Hughes movie back in the eighties. Yeah, it it totally would have fit in that. So I'm really excited about those um, in particular those are something that uh, people haven't heard maybe go check those out well i know i will check them out you really won me over with the john Hughes reference there i'm definitely intrigued and, and one other yeah. one i want to mention that you had recommended to me was the group blonde shell yeah i've really enjoyed that album they released just a week or so ago so listen to those ladies and gentlemen and listen to the other uh all all go listen to all the steely dan albums and the donald fagan solo albums and even walter becker's solo albums that i have not heard but you know i like the man uh, i respect him so go you know i recommend everything listen to it all <laughs> yeah listen to it all and chris <laughs> thank you again for being here my friend i really appreciate it and folks go and listen to chris's podcast go subscribe to his newsletter zappagram you'll be so happy you did you're gonna learn a lot of about music and you're going to hear a lot of good music so listen so much for having me on the show it it was it was a pleasure and an honor i appreciate it very much well thank you chris and thank you to all who listened today have a wonderful day everyone bye-bye